You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Man, this weekend I got the privilege of being the officiant at a wedding ceremony. Those are always fun. Well, usually fun. And uh, this one was fun. Had a good time hanging out. And uh, it's that day where everybody, the couple, thinks they're in love, right? That's why they're there. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. And so that was a, it's a good time. It's gr- great to get together. And so I was thinking about just kind of the God coincidence that today I am teaching on love. And I happen to be performing a wedding and being a part of that whole different thing. And seeing two people come together and making a covenant together and saying, hey, that from this point forward, we vow to love one another and outserve one another and everything that that means. And so this morning, as we gather together to have an understanding of what it means for us to have been loved and to be loved in spite of ourselves, that God, for God so loved the world that even while we were enemies of his, even while we were moving in an opposite direction of him, he still gave the greatest gift for us with the thought that we may look at it and walk away from it, but he still gave the gift anyway. And so what does that type of love look like? And so anyway, thinking about all that and thinking about the wedding and love and all that, you got to thinking about all the love stories and movies that we watch and kind of go back to because they say something to our heart, right? We're drawn to different love stories. I know some of you are in the midst of your, um, they call them Hallmark Christmas movies, but they're really a whole bunch of love stories on repeat with different people. And you're always, I'm always amazed at my house that my wife is surprised that they end up together. I don't know how this, I'm like, it's the same one. My son and her are like, we'll come back and watch five different movies and come back in this one. And we're like, hey, it's the same two people just they're not in Connecticut now. They're in L.A., you know, whatever. But anyway, and so, but I, I, I love old movies. I was actually a projectionist in high school and, and uh, loved doing that. It was one of my favorite things. And so I have found a love for movies. And so one of my favorite old movies that's a love story is Casablanca. So I don't know if y'all have ever seen that. If not, you can rent it or watch it. Or Singing in the Rain is one that Becky and I love together. Or Roman Holiday um, is a good one. And then I'm kind of moving forward a little bit. Maybe this one, when Harry met Sally, you've got mail. Um, some of you, your favorite, that you were surprised that this ship went down, but Titanic. Um, I know this is the guy's favorite love story is Empire Strikes Back. Um, that's good. Or uh, Up, you know, the cartoon Up. That's a sweet love story. Or maybe even The Notebook. Kind of ring true. Yeah, I can see it. Um, all that, or uh, one of our favorites at our house is uh, Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, or maybe for some of you, this is your favorite. And it's one of my favorites because it just speaks to my heart about what I do. And I've tried to do it at weddings, but I just can't do it. But uh, one of my favorite love scene marriage things is marriage. Marriage is what brings us together. So uh, one of my favorite movies is The Princess Bride. And uh, so that's a love story. So you have all kinds of different love stories. But what about the uh, love songs that we get to listen to? Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers. Um, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Um, I Want to Hold Your Hand, right, by the Beatles. Or how about this one? Ain't No Mountain High Enough 
right? Marvin Gaye and his his little crew there, or uh, the one that Becky and I sing in the car quite a bit. And um, I play Sunny, she plays Cher. And uh, I got you, babe. I mean, that's that's like the love song, deep words repeated over and over. I got you, babe. Um, or uh, Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. Some of you 80s kids. and uh, Or uh, this one that Tom Cruise has made famous. Uh, what is it? Take My Breath Away. Is that right? Yeah. By Berlin. Those different musics. Or Make You Feel My Love by Adele. Okay, we're getting closer to Crazy in Love by Beyonce and Jay-Z. Or um, All of Me by John Legend. Or the great theologian at our house about love is Justin Bieber. Because he wrote these great words, baby, 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 oh, oh. And so, I mean, that, if the, no words speak of love more than that, then I don't, I don't know what, what you would do. So, anyway, so thinking about what love is, and so there's, obviously, we're not talking necessarily about biblical type love. This morning I want us to dig into what does it mean to have a God type Love, and so it's much more than baby, 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 oh, oh, okay? Luke chapter 6, verse 31 says it this way, do to others as you would like them to do to you. In other words, the golden rule. Or another one in Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second part of that is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. So there's this selflessness to that. It's getting us outside of ourselves. And I, I think that's one of the things about, for us as followers of Jesus, one of the things about loving our neighbor as ourselves is sometimes we don't love ourselves. We're struggling with loving ourselves. And I think one of the reasons that Jesus says for us to get outside of ourselves, because we kind of can sometimes do a little pity party and feel bad about ourselves, is that when we move outside of thinking about our stuff, and look at others and care for them and serve them and love them, in many ways it makes our mess not feel as messy, but also it gets us off our stuff and we focus on other people. Because we're naturally selfish people. I mean, just look at a two-year-old and think about how they want what they want when they want it. And as adults, we still do the same thing. Many of us don't throw temper tantrums in Walmart or Target or whatever, but we do internally. And so this selfishness to love our neighbor gets us outside of that. And so I'm going to teach you a few words. The first word you're going to get is ahava. And you'll say that, ahava. Like he's got to, got to come up from up there, you know. So we've got to have a, a good cup of coffee. That's the Hebrew word for love. And then Jesus, most of the time when he was teaching, he was actually teaching and speaking in Aramaic of the day. And so he would have said, rachma. You'll say that, rachma. There you go. Feels weird. Okay, again, it's this very guttural sound that comes from there, German type of a thing as well. And then the word that maybe if you've been around church for a little bit that you've heard is the word agape, which means love. So all of these, ahava, rachma, are translated in the New Testament and carried through. And if the Old Testament is translated into Greek, they'll use this word agape. And so it's, a, it's this God-type, self-sacrificing type love that you will give a gift to someone without an expectation of something in return, that it's a true gift. 
and that there are different types of words throughout the New Testament that are used to describe different types of love. They say the word phileo, which we get the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, which may or may not be a city of brotherly love, but at least it's named after that. Or eros, which is an intimate type of love, and then also this agape type love. And it's this, again, this love that goes beyond ourselves to care for other people and to see them and to meet their needs. And that that's the kind of love that God has shown us and given to us, is he saw our need of a Savior and stepped in through the person of Jesus Christ himself so that we could experience life and life to the full. So again, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, that verse that Jesus quoted is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And one of the things that we've been talking about over the last few weeks that I think is important for us to continue to be reminded of is that when they thought of the word heart, it wasn't just the physical cardia heart that we think about, that we go to the doctor and the doctor looks at our heart and examines it. Like they understood that the heart was the center of physical life, But for the Hebrew people, it was so much more than just the center of physical life. It was also the center of their emotional life. And so when they would feel something, it would come from there. We would say, hey, we get butterflies, right? Or we have these senses inside of these feelings. And so for the Hebrew people, not only was it physical life, but also the emotional life, the feelings would come from there. But also their intellectual life, that they would know and be able to discern and have wisdom would come from their heart as well. And so they have their feelings, they have their emotions, and they also, emotions, they have their intellectual life, the physical life, but also then their motivational life. Sometimes we'll say our will. You have the will to do it. And so that motivation comes from the heart. So that for the Hebrew people, the thought is that your heart is in four parts. There's the physical life, the intellectual life, the emotional life, and the motivational life, and those things together. And so when Jesus says to us, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, It's not just a feeling thing. You can't fall in and out of love. It's something that ties to your emotions. It ties to your intellect. It ties to your motivation. And it moves us. And so the word agape is not just a noun that just sits and it's a place or a state that we're in. It's actually a movement and an action and a verb. Like when we say love, it's an action word. And so here Jesus is telling us, to get into the action of loving God with all of your inner being and your heart, with your emotions, your life. And so this also ties into that word that we've talked about over the last few weeks as well, to know God. To know God is not an intellectual piece, but it's an experiential thing. And so that we get to experience God, his love, and so therefore we experience it. And so it's a tie to the heart, it's experience into our knower. That's why we can say in our soul... We know God. And again, that word soul, is sometimes we think of a container, that there's been a container placed here, and that when we say yes to Jesus, that God resides within that little container. As a matter of fact, soul, nefesh, is our entire being. That anything that comes over the throat or out of the throat is the entire being. And so that's why I believe that baptism is an experience that God gives us. It's a full body experience. And so that when we say yes to Jesus, that we're, Baptized, put under the water and immersed in that way. And so that's a full body experience for the soul. It is well with my, not just this little container inside of me, it is well with my entire being. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, the center of your life, and with all of your being. And then love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength, your muchness. 
Now, the interesting thing about muchness is sometimes we think that when we enter into a covenant relationship with God, that we're in control of that relationship. And we're in reality, the moment that we say yes to Jesus and enter into a covenant relationship, it's not our strength and our wisdom and our desire to hold on to Jesus that contains it, sustains it. Actually, he does. And so there are moments when we're in our journey with Jesus that we see something in our heart or our mind's desire is distracted and we want to pursue something else. And so imagine with me that God, when we say yes to Jesus and we enter into that covenant relationship, he joins hands with us. And there may be moments where we want to unjoin our hands and go in our own direction. But God is like Stretch Armstrong and he holds on to us and he sustains us and he never lets us go. And so that the covenant relationship with us, whenever he enters into that, he never goes away from that covenant relationship. Again, we may be distracted, but he stays there. So to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your muchness, it's not our muchness that holds that covenant relationship. It's Jesus' muchness with us, that he's given the gift to us, we've received it, and he's not going to let us go. He's not going to let us walk away from it. Love the neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself, because I am the Lord. Again, this idea of getting outside of ourselves, that God wants us to move past who we are and, and, and what the things that we're thinking about and move outside of ourselves to care for and to see other people. Because love is not a feeling. It's an action. It's an active choice to seek the well-being of someone else other than myself. It's an active word. It's an active choice to be able to do that. If you've ever been in a relationship, a marriage relationship or a friendship, there are days that you don't like the other person that you say that you love, right? You maybe chose that. And there are days that you're just like, man, I don't feel like it. But guess what? You choose to go outside. That's one of the things that we do whenever we, usually whenever we uh, do a wedding ceremony, we're getting to be chosen to be a part of that. One of the things, a normal gift that Becky and I will give is a serving tray. And it's to help couples be reminded of the fact that in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul tells us to outserve one another. That we are to 110% pursue the other person and pursue of outserving. And so usually as a part of the wedding ceremony, I'll kind of describe that whole passage. And one of the things that should happen then is husbands, you should with that serving tray every single day bring your wife breakfast in bed. You know, those kind of things. And they're like, oh yeah, right. And I'm like, uh, you, you laugh at that, but... That is the spirit of that, right? And so that wives, that means that you should change the oil and repair the roof. Again, we laugh at that, but that's the spirit of outserving one another. That there are no roles in marriage. The only role is that a husband and wife choose to outserve one another. And they see situations where someone that they have chosen to love needs them. And they step in and do whatever is necessary to serve that person. And so the same way that we're supposed to do that in a marriage relationship, as followers of Christ, we're to do that with our neighbors. Is that we are to be carrying towels and serving trays and seeing their situations and saying, I need to get outside of myself because I'm naturally selfish and to serve my neighbors as I would want them to serve me in this situation. So that there's those times where you see a neighbor that they have a flat. Can you go fix it? 
As you see your neighbors that they're in need of whatever, can you go fix it? If you have a neighbor that's just had a child, can we feed them? All these different opportunities that we have to serve, it's a matter of was our eyes attentive to our neighbor's needs and how we can care for them. Again, getting outside of ourselves. This active choice of loving someone else. So God-type love is moving outside of ourselves and caring for others without expecting anything in return. Now, we're in Christmas season, and so some of you, if you haven't even already, maybe receive a gift from someone that you weren't expecting to receive a gift from. Anybody ever have that happen to you? Okay. And so it's an interesting thing. I think most of us have had that. And so immediately, what is our heart response? Oh, yay, now I get to go buy you something, right? That's not in my budget. I mean, all those different things are going. I mean, we receive it, but at the same time, if we hadn't planned to get them something, it's a gift that we did not plan to give them something in return. And that is the spirit of God-type love, that we should be surprised by the gifts that we give people, that there are people in our lives that should be surprised that we give them a gift and that that is God-type love, and they don't expect anything in return, or it's not truly a gift. Now, there are times that people give a gift to us, and we realize, hey, this is because they know they're getting a gift from me. And that's not really a gift. That's just exchanging possessions. But a true gift, I think as parents we understand this, that there are things that we give to our kids and our grandkids, and we really don't expect anything in return. It's just because of who they are that we give the gift. And that's God-type love. That just because you're a child of His, He gives the gift to you. For God so loved the world that He gave the greatest gift He could possibly give in His Son, Jesus Christ, knowing that people would look that gift in the face and walk away from it. But He still gave it. So also God-type love is then, something a little bit further, to love your enemies. To love those that don't like you and maybe you don't even like. Do good to them and lend to them without respect, expecting to be repaid. This is when we truly embrace the character of God toward us and toward others is when we give to others that are, don't like us. In Romans chapter 5, we see this enemy type love experience. It says this, you see at just the right time when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still enemies, sinners, Christ died for us. Before we had the ability to give a gift back, he gave to us. Since we have now been justified, made right with God by his blood, how much more so have we been saved by God's wrath from him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled through him, through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Enemies, we all have them. There are people we don't like or don't like easily, and maybe they don't like us. How do we then serve them? Is we give gifts to them that they cannot return. 1 John chapter 4, this is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He saw our need and chose to meet it. There are times that we see people's needs in our life and we calculate the cost 
whether we should give it or not. And sometimes that calculation is, will they give me something in return? Will they possibly be a friend? Or whatever those things are that we calculate. And the scripture tells us, if we see a need and we can meet it, we should step into it. That we don't calculate all these other things, that we calculate the cost of, can we meet this need? That's the calculation that we made. And if we can meet it, let's step into it, because that's what God did for us. In 1 John 4, 10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The most that we're like God is when we step into the lives of others that may be not for us, but we step into their life to be for them, and we choose to be generous and to meet their needs with an understanding that they may not even appreciate it and definitely won't return it. My prayer for us this morning is that I hope that you have experienced God's love for you. You've experienced that he stepped out and chose and met your need and that you have received the greatest gift in the person, the baby of Jesus, through the gift of Easter. That that is the gift that we have and through the baby comes new life in Christ. And my prayer is that you received it. For those of you that have received it and have seen it, the challenge for us is during the season is to step out and to maybe care for and to love for some of those that maybe you haven't no desire to love, but that's the challenge for us, is to grow our heart and to step out and to love even our enemies in this season. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your love for us, that you looked down on us and you didn't have us to meet a certain economic standard, a certain education standard, a certain social standard. But, Father, that you looked at us and you saw a need and you met it without an expectation of anything in return other than a yes. So, Father, I pray this morning, no matter where we're at, that everyone in this room has received that gift. I pray that they open arms, receive it, and say yes to the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes that gave his life on Easter. That he actively loved us through the cross. Father, may we this season look outside of ourselves and love those around us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.